fundamental, fundamental to understanding the responsibility that we have for eternity-centered care as we live our lives here on earth and journey toward heaven. Understand that, that God has given us each this responsibility, and it's not just a responsibility for all of you. It's a responsibility that God has given to all of his sons and daughters of all time, including a man named Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel lived in, in a very turbulent time in world history. Powers were, were sh constantly shifting like the, like the wind, and it wasn't just a turbulent period in history. Ezekiel lived in an awful period during the time of God's people. You see, at the time when Ezekiel lived, uh, the nation of Babylon had risen to power, and her king was a man named Nebuchadnezzar. And in 605 BC, Judah's king, so Judah, the southern kingdom of God's people, Judah's king had pledged allegiance to this foreign power, this foreign king named Nebuchadnezzar. But in subsequent years, Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, had, had betrayed his allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar. And as you can imagine, when you betray the most powerful man in the world, you're going to suffer consequences. So Nebuchadnezzar sent an army in 599 BC to lay siege to Jerusalem, the holy city of God's people. And two years later in 597, the city fell. Now the result of, of the sieging of Jerusalem was that Nebuchadnezzar took away 10,000 of the brightest and the best of God's people. Anyone who would be a threat to Nebuchadnezzar's power. And of those 10,000 people, there are men and some women with whom you are probably familiar that got carried away. Men like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the ones who would not bow their knee to the foreign god, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They were carried away. You have a man like Daniel. Daniel, who not only served King Nebuchadnezzar, but then when he wouldn't bow down to a foreign god, you know what happened to him? He was thrown into the lion's den. But there's a man with whom you are probably not as familiar as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel, this man named Ezekiel, who came from a family of priests. About five years after the deportation of those 10,000 Jews, Ezekiel was sitting on the banks of the Kabar River in the Israelite refugee camp. Now the 30th, his 30th birthday was, was a pivotal day. This was the day that we find Ezekiel in the opening of his book. Because coming from a class of priests, when you reached your 30th birthday, according to the law, it meant you could begin ministering and serving in the temple of God and serving God's people. But the days of living in the holy city of Jerusalem and being able to be a priest in, the, in God's holy temple, they were long gone because for five years they had lived in Babylon. But that day on the banks of the Kabar River, God showed up and he gave Ezekiel a new calling, a new way to minister to God's people. He showed up and he said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the words I speak and give them warning from me. Now watchmen, a watchman was a job of life and death. It was a job that meant life or death for the people they were watching over. A watchman would sit high in a tower above fields or above the cities. They would look out for, for predators or for thieves who would come and destroy the crops. They'd look for armies that were coming, that were armed with swords who would come and, and, and pillage and destroy cities. And when this watchman, with his eyes keenly peeled, looking for this danger, would see it. He would blow his trumpet as a warning for this danger that is coming. This is Ezekiel. Except Ezekiel is not a watchman over a city. He is a spiritual watchman over God's people. O son of man, I have made you a watchman, so hear the words I speak and give them warning from me. But there are a whole bunch of catches to Ezekiel's job. Because God makes Ezekiel a watchman, but then he says, I'm sending you to a people who aren't going to listen to you because they don't listen to me. 
And if that's not hard enough, Ezekiel, I'm going to cause the, your tongue to stick to the roof of your mouth and you're not going to be able to open your mouth until I say so. And to make things even harder for you, Ezekiel, I'm not even going to let you speak for the first half of your ministry. Instead, you are going to act out. You're going to act out all of the things that I want you to want you to tell my people. Essentially, Ezekiel carried out street plays for the first half of his ministry. At one point, Ezekiel had, God had Ezekiel lie down on his side for 430, for 430 days. At another time, he had him eat food that was cooked over cow feces. At another time, and this is probably the, the hardest thing that Ezekiel had to do, his wife died. And God told him, you will not mourn. You will not mourn for your wife because your wife's death is a picture and your lack of mourning is a picture of how Jerusalem has fallen and how I will not mourn for them. This is Ezekiel's ministry. But then you get to chapter 33 in Ezekiel from our reading for today, and this marks a pivotal shift in Ezekiel's ministry because God shows up and he, and he reiterates his call to him. He says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel, so hear the words I speak and give them warning from me. And as the excitement floods through Ezekiel's heart because finally his tongue is loosened and he's going to be able to speak and carry out his job as a watchman, then the message comes. O wicked one, you will surely die. That's tough, isn't it? This is your job as a watchman. Go tell people they're going to die. Now the whole purpose of Ezekiel's message, it wasn't some judgmental, holier-than-thou thing spoken from Ezekiel. It was to address the sins of the Israelites and to dissuade them from doing any more damage, any more damage to their, their eternal standing before God. But do you think Ezekiel was equipped for work like that? Or do you think he felt equipped for work like that? I mean, this is not only a tough message to bring, but then God had told him that, this, that the people you're bringing it to, they're not even going to listen to you. I don't think Ezekiel felt equipped at all. In fact, the first time that God told him that he was going to be a harbinger of his message, do you, do you know what Ezekiel did? He went down the Kabar River and he sat there in anger and in bitterness for seven days. I don't think Ezekiel felt equipped at all to carry out this, this job as the watchman over Israel, the, the job, the calling that means the difference between life and death. Does God call the equipped or does God equip the called? What about all of you, watchmen of God? Do you feel equipped for this calling that God has given you, this responsibility of being a watchman over God's people, a calling that means the difference between life and death? By virtue of what God has made you through the blood of the Lamb and the waters of baptism, you are all watchmen. Make no mistake about it. But you feel equipped for it. Do you feel equipped to go to a brother or a sister and speak a, a word of warning from the Lord? Do you feel equipped to go up to somebody who has sinned and speak that strong warning for the Lord? Oh, wicked one, you will surely die. Maybe you're like me. You're like me when you hear that this is my calling. I, I get squeamish. It makes my, my stomach churn. It, it fills me with fear and doubt and and I say, things God, I say things to God like, there has to be another way. There has to be another person. There has to be somebody else who is better equipped for this job as a watchman, the, the job, the calling that means the difference between life and death, but not me. But really all that, that phrase, um, I'm not equipped, really that's just a mask that my sinful nature wears. 
so that I don't have to do the job and so that I can also hide behind and not actually give the real reasons why I don't want to do this. Because being a watchman is hard and it's not fun. Who wants to go and address somebody's sin like that? I also fear what people will think of me. I fear that people will, will uh, view me as somebody who is the, the fun-sucking, judgmental, Bible-thumping sin police. In an age where perception is reality, I fear that the way people perceive me will cause them to say things that aren't in line with who I am and who God has made me, but that's what they think. I also fear that as a watchman of God, I won't be effective. Because after all, people don't really want to listen to me just like they didn't want to listen to Ezekiel. And for all of those excuses that my sinful nature makes, and maybe the yours makes too, God has an answer for it, and it's the same answer that he gave to Ezekiel. Son of man, I have made you a watchman, and this is a great responsibility for you to carry out. Your job is to go and speak to people about their sins. It is your responsibility to do so, and if you do not do it, there will be consequences for it. Not only will the person whose sin you are to address, not only will they die, but I'm going to hold you accountable. I am going to hold you, I am going to demand payment for their blood. It's literally what it says. Really what God is getting at is this. Is that, by, is that when you see somebody sinning and you don't say anything, you're actually speaking volumes. Because what you're saying to the person who is sinning by not saying anything, sin doesn't matter. Sin isn't a big deal. You can get away with it all you want. This is why God says, if you do not speak out, I will hold you accountable because it is just as grave of a sin to not speak out as a watchman of God as it is to, as the sin that you were supposed to speak out against. Look, I know, I know that this is not a fun thing to hear. I know that it's not a fun thing to, to be a watchman of God, to go and address people's sins, not just because it's hard, but because it's a great responsibility and it comes with great accountability, right? We just heard what God said about that. I will hold you accountable. And my sinful nature loves to run, loves to run from any sort of accountability like that. None of us want it. Because do you know what that means when you're accountable? It means that you, when you're accountable to be a watchman anyway, it means that you have to watch your life and your doctrine and your practice and the way you live your life closely. You have to watch it incredibly close. None of us want that. Our sinful nature absolutely runs from that. Does God call the equipped or does he equip the called? I don't know how you've answered that the first two times that you've looked at that or that I've asked you that question, but, but I want you to understand this, that if God only called people who were equipped, then there would be no men like Ezekiel. If God only called people who were equipped, there would be no men like Daniel, who in a way was a watchman before King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world. There would certainly not be any men and women and children who were watchmen in this world today. Does God call the equipped or does he equip the called? If you live your entire life here on earth as you journey toward heaven, thinking, thinking that God only calls the equipped, then not only do you have a misunderstanding of who God is and how God chooses to work in this world, but you also will have shirked the responsibility and the accountability that God has given you to be his watchman in this world. Right? Because none of us want this. 
None of us want that responsibility dropped on our heads and our sinful nature. When we hear that it's dropped on our heads and on our hearts, we say, God, you could choose any way to work in this world. You could, have show, you could show up with power like you did at the Red Sea and part it so that Israel could cross on dry ground. You could show up in thunder in a booming voice like you did on Sinai before the Israelites or the, the pillar of cloud and fire. You could even show up in that gentle whisper like you did with the prophet Elijah and all of that. All of that would be enough to melt hearts of stone that don't want to listen to you and turn them away from their wickedness. But God says, I don't choose to work that way. I choose fickle and frail men to carry out my work in this world. I choose men like Ezekiel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Daniel and Ryan and Mike and Dick and Drew. This is how I choose to work. And I want you to let this truth sink deeply into your heart this morning. God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. God equips those whom he has called to be his watchmen. And the way in which he equips each and every one of you is the same way that he equipped Ezekiel. Listen again to Ezekiel's call. Son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. Hear my word and give a warning to them. Did you catch how God equips Ezekiel? It's through his word. God didn't send Ezekiel out as a watchman and say, go figure this out. You'll you'll think of something nice to say. No, he gives him the exact thing that he wants him to say as the watchman over the house of Israel to address the sin and to give them a warning to dissuade them from their wickedness. And the way in which God equips you is the same way. He equips you through his word, the words that are written on the pages of scripture, the words that were spoken by men like Ezekiel, the words that Jesus of Nazareth said are truth and our life. God has given you and prepared you and equipped you for your calling by giving you the word, by giving you the, the, both the law and the gospel to present to people. Your job as a watchman is to go to the one who sins and to, and to deliver the crushing blow of the law, to deliver a warning that dissuades somebody from your sins. You are armed with the law, the law which kills and convicts and condemns. That's not easy. That's not easy at all to go and address somebody with the law. And if the law was the only thing, the thing that tells somebody they're wrong, if the law is the only thing that you have as a watchman to deliver to people, then not only would you never want to carry out your task as a watchman, but even on the days when you did muster up the courage to address somebody's sin as a watchman, the only logical conclusion that the person you are talking to can come to is that the only thing waiting for me is death. It's the same thing that the Israelites thought. Ezekiel brought his word of warning to the Israelites when God had finally freed the tongue from the roof of his mouth and allowed him to speak that warning. And the Israelites said, our sins and our offenses are heavy upon us and we are wasting away in them. How can we live? The only logical conclusion that the Israelites could come up with as Ezekiel presented the law to them was that we are decaying in death. But you, O watchman of God, you do not have a one-sided message to bring to people. No, God has not only made you a carrier of his holy law, the law that condemns and convicts, but God has also made you harbingers of the good news of the gospel, harbingers of the message that is life, just as Ezekiel was. 
when Israel's only, only conclusion that they could come up with was that they were going to die, die because of their sins, God had to show up and give Ezekiel a message to prepare his watchmen or equip his watchmen to remind the Israelites, this is who I am and this is how I feel about you. The Lord reminds him that, I, that he is the all capital letters Lord. You, you know, seeing that in the Old Testament where you have all capital letters, this is Yahweh. This is the God of arrow pointing down love, the God who, who forgives your wickedness and remembers your sin no more. This is the God who removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. This is the God who dealt with Israel. This is the God who deals with us. This is the God who calls and equips you and sends you out with this message. And the message that he gives you is the same message as Ezekiel to show you how seriously he loves you and cares for you. And the way he does that, at least for Ezekiel, is he swears an oath on his own life. God says, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their evil ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O Israel? Consider the paradox of what the Lord just swore on his own life. This is the Lord who raised up the sword of Babylon against his own people for their idolatry and carried them away because of their disobedience. And yet, and yet at the same exact time, this is the Lord who promises to send a watchman to warn them of the other sword that he bears, the sword that is much more powerful, the sword that can destroy both body and soul in hell. God sends his watchman to warn people of that coming sword and say, turn from your evil ways because I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. This is the message that Ezekiel carried to the people of Israel. This is the message that your God gives to you. And the way that God backed up that oath that he swore on himself was by sacrificing his only son, the son who lived for you, the son who died for you to win for you a forgiveness and a right standing before your God, the God who rose from the dead to assure you that heaven is yours This is the message that you carry out as the watchman of God. And the natural result of carrying a message as powerful as this, it's that you want to see results. And not just see results, but expect to see results, right? But you've got to understand that that's not your job. Your calling, the thing which God calls you to, is to be a watchman to be a deliverer of these warnings and the beauty of the gospel from God. God calls you, God equips you, God sends you out with this message, and then he says, don't worry about the results. I take care of that. And deep in all of our hearts, God has instilled the trust, not only in his power, but in the power of the word he gives us to deliver. The word that he says will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it. The word that the writer to the Hebrews says is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, It is the word that kills and heals. It is the word that transforms a person from a sinner to a saint. A word that quite, or the word that quite literally brings a person from death to life. God says, I am sending you to be the deliverer, to be my watchman. But that doesn't mean that you are going to see results because results are my job. And we can't expect to see them. If we're lucky, God willing, we will. But you know, Ezekiel, he never did. Ezekiel spent from age 25 to his death in the city of Babylon. And there he died. And I don't know how much of the 
the results of his work as a watchman he got to see, but I know God allowed him as a watchman to speak some pretty incredible things in the latter half of his book to these Israelites who were exiled away from their holy city, away from their temple, away from the worship of the one true God, the, the people from whom the glory of the Lord had departed. Israel, or Ezekiel had a message of Israel of restoration and return of hope and peace and joy. Ezekiel didn't see the results of that message. But God surely worked through it. Because in 539 BC, God allowed 50,000 Israelites to return home, to go back to their holy city, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, and to reestablish worship of the one true God. These are 50,000 men, women, and children who heard the message of Ezekiel the watchman and turned from their wicked ways and lived. And 450 years after the final remnant returned to Jerusalem, for that remnant and through that remnant, God brought about in a backwater town in Nazareth this little baby boy who was the Savior of the world, Jesus who lived and died and rose again. Ezekiel not to, didn't, never got to see any of that. That happened 450 years or more after his death. And yet I am thoroughly convinced that at this moment the watchman of God is standing shoulder to shoulder with those to whom he served as a watchman. He's seeing the results now. You and me and every watchman that God has called, we should never expect to see results. But we trust in the power of the word that we are taking out. And our joy in our work is this, that there will come a day when God brings us safely to heaven and there we will stand shoulder to shoulder, Lord willing, with all of those to whom God has called us to serve as watchmen. Sons and daughters of God, stand proudly and serve as God's watchmen to your brothers and sisters to this world. Because God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And he has called you, and he has equipped you, and he has sent you. You are watchmen. Amen.